I'm Chris Leone, and this is another episode of Add Your Two Cents. Today, the question we're going to answer is, what can an independent do when everyone claims to put the public interest first? Now, that principle, putting the public interest ahead of all partisan and special interests, has really become the first principle of the movement to elect independents to public office. An independent will typically say something like, well, if elected, I'll deliver common sense solutions. Or if you pick me, I will put the public interest ahead of all, ahead of all other interests. I mean, these phrases sound great. Putting the public interest ahead of partisan and special interests is, without a doubt, essential to good government. But why would any candidate for public office from any party profess to do anything different? If every candidate readily agrees to put the public interest first, what can an independent do to convince the electorate that he or she will follow through on that pledge while his party-affiliated counterpart will not. Well, the first thing I think an independent needs to do is talk about the built-in conflict of interest with every member of every political party. Um, it's not in writing, but it's, it's kind of unwritten. Uh, and that stems from the fact that it's so hard to get elected, you know. So if you bargain basically your independence for the support of a big organization like the Republican or Democratic Party, you are accepting a conflict of interest. And that conflict of interest is with you, Mr. Public. And, you know, because it is so hard to get elected, because the average person doesn't have a donor list, doesn't have a voter list, uh, doesn't have the skills and the knowledge to get elected, they join a party. And that party apparatus makes it significantly easier, easier for a candidate to accomplish his objectives and get elected. But by doing that, they are accepting the fact that there will be a conflict of interest, you know, between you and their party. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. I mean, if anyone you know, is paying attention at all, when these politicians um, decide not to run again uh, when they decide that they won't need their party to help them get reelected, they become very candid and very altruistic. And their, their thoughts and their minds go towards the public interest. Why? Because they won't need their party to help them get reelected. So that's the first thing. Recognize and point out that there is a built-in conflict of interest with every member of every party between you, Mr. Public, and that candidate, where there isn't that conflict of interest with an independent, because we have no party. All of us are out there. There's three in Arizona. We're running these campaigns by the seat of our pants. We don't have the help of a big party, of a large organization. So we are not expected. There is no, we, we, we're not committed. We are not beholden to any party. 
So if we're going to take this further on a candidate by candidate level, you know, I think what independents should do to bring this point about, even though, you know, if your candidate uh, is, an inco- is, is somebody who's not running for the first time, they've run before, you need to scour uh, every decision that they've voted on. And whether it's made it into law or not doesn't matter. But you can look at their record and find out, you know, how they voted for or against something and look for those situations where it was typically not in the public interest. This was a vote to pursue party interest, maybe special interest, or maybe just to make the other party look bad. So you can take, you can call out candidates one by one on that and that, you know, hey, this is, you know, this doesn't look like you're pursuing the part, uh, the, the public interest here with this vote. Um, you're pursuing, uh, you're loyal to your party ahead of the public, you know. And if, in fact, somebody's a new, a new candidate and they don't have a record, you can ask the question, well, dear candidate, how will you respond when your party leaders tell you how to vote without asking your opinion? It happens all the time at all levels of government. And again, it's usually done to promote the party's interest, special interest, or, or to make the other side, the other party look bad. Um, you know, and if she says or he says, I'll vote my conscience, then I would ask, well, how do you think that's going to make your party leaders and other members react? Ignoring their leaders will create a lot of friction, if not obliterate uh, that that can that person's ability to be effective legislator because as we said there is this implied contract between members and their party and that is to obey their leaders and it's even worse you know if you're a member of this party and you've decided to to disregard your leadership's uh, instructions that's a really bad place to be in because as an independent there, no one expects me to follow their party leadership, right? Because I'm an independent. But then, when you get a candidate who who readily agrees that I'll just disregard and vote in my conscience, that's basically cutting their own throat. They will be eviscerated because um, you're now somebody who is part of a group, who is committed to a group, um, and that group hates you now because you're disloyal to that group. You know. Much better to be never to join the group, to say up front, I'm not going to commit. Uh, you know, I'm not going to, I see there, this conflict of interest and I'm running as an independent because I do want to put the common interest first. So that's the first thing. We call out these party members, even though they may profess um, to, to, to do the same thing as you, to put the public interest first. They really can't. There is a built-in conflict of interest with you, Mr. Public. The second thing to do is to point to finger-pointing, because finger-pointing is a classic time waster. Um, it goes on at all levels of government, and it does nothing to help us get a solution. It lays blame for a problem on a particular party, and by so doing, seeks to elevate the moral authority of of the other party. It's it's political theater and it is a complete waste of time. And the average American knows this. Uh, they know that finger pointing never helps and never works to arrive at a practical uh, common solution. Uh, the nonpartisan Pew Research Center did some surveys and more than half of Americans agree that um, it would be better if their representatives worked to resolve these issues rather than finger point and hold out for
for more of what they want. Um, and both parties have been doing this for decades. This is just par for their course, uh, and they don't see how it how it's hurting our nation. Um, Especially on, on big issues like immigration, social, social security, and health care. I mean, every year that we don't solve these problems is a year that they become harder to solve. So, two, um, I'd like to point out another very big example of finger pointing. Um, and I'm not picking on the Republican Party, but they went for nearly a decade telling us about repeal and replace and pointing to the Affordable Care Act as being such a terrible thing and, you know, we have to get rid of it. We have to get rid of it. Well, when they did get what they want, they didn't. They didn't replace it. Okay. We now have a healthcare system that is worse by all standards than what we had even before the Affordable Care Act was implemented, and during the first years of the Democratic administration. There are people in states that have no healthcare options, and some like in Arizona where we only have one. So uh, this was an example of finger pointing on steroids for a long period of time. And then when they actually got what they want, wanted, they, they weren't. They hadn't prepared themselves. They hadn't thought of solutions. They hadn't thought of how to replace the Affordable Care Act and how to make health care better. They were just reveling in finger pointing. And again, so that's, that's a problem. We, 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 we have a two-party system that revels in, 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 in doing nothing but you know, pointing the, the finger at the other side versus trying to really solve these problems, solve these solutions. So that's another example of why the candidate who's a member of one of those two parties can't be the solution, they, that the independent is the solution. Um, because, you know, we, we're not going to finger point. I mean, there's really no point to finger pointing if you're an independent, right? It doesn't, you're not going to gain anything, right? Because you're not a member of a party. Um, it, you know, it, it's, it's just really what it is, is it's just a complete waste of time. Um, and you're hopefully, as independents, I know as I am, I'm an independent, um, I'm going to work for solutions. Um, the third thing that independence can do is just simply admit that, um, that the common good is not some ideological endpoint. You know, um, it's okay to start with ideology as a start point, but it should never be an endpoint. A, a, a public interest is an iterative kind of process, and kind it is. It's an iterative, iterative process. Nobody, it's always going to be, you know, nobody knows. Nobody can say, I know what the public, the common good is and what, what's good for the public interest. No, it's always going to be contested by both parties and everyone in between. And, but by acknowledging that, by saying, look, it's okay if we start with your ideology, but it is not okay if that becomes our endpoint. you know. Uh, the common good is an iterative process, okay? It's, it's one that's messy. It's one that's labored. It's one that's worried. And it's one that's going to happen on every issue every time. Um, these ideologies are great, you know, to start with, like I said, but they, are, they can never, never, ever be the end point. Um, so, you know, that's the third thing we tell them. You know, there is no straightforward uh, answer to this to the common good to the common interest it's a process that relies 
on good men and good women, you know, trying to reach a an endpoint that solves a problem, um, you know. And it, so it is easier for an independent to do that, right? Because just again, by joining that party, you become bound to that ideology. And if your leaders are telling you, you know, this is what we stand for, um, this, you know, standing on a hill or riding on your high horse, you know, it's going to be hard for you to, to, to move away from that, to move to a common solution, a common good, a common sense solution because you're tied up in that party. So that is why we need independence, people who are not tied to any particular ideology or any particular party. I mean, so the takeaway is, you know, the public interest is a work in progress. It's a never-ending process that each day, each week, each month, and each year is pursued by men and women who are best not bound by any allegiance to party or ideology, but simply a passion for good government and for the public interest. Um, so we only, but you know, I, I, I don't think we're going to have all the all independents elected <laughs> all at once. But actually, we don't need that. We only need a couple of independents. To get elected uh, into our federal and state legislatures, enough to deny either party a majority. Okay, it's called the fulcrum strategy, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, once you know a lot of gerrymandering has gone on, and it's here in Arizona, and we end up with one party or the other party always in control of typically a house or even both houses or both houses and the governorship. So what independents can do, if we can get into one of the chambers, enough of us, so we deny either party a majority, now we can act as catalysts. Catalysts for common sense. Catalysts catalysts for the public. That's what we are. We are catalysts for you, Mr. JQ public, the public interest, because we won't be bound by by ideology. Oh boy. We're not bound by ideology. We're not not bound by party loyalty. Um, And we're certainly not going to get involved in finger pointing. So those are three things I think we can do to show the voters that independents will follow through on their commitment to uh, putting the public interest first. Um, we, you know, we don't have that built-in bias that, you know, we haven't pledged our allegiance to this party. We pledged our allegiance to the U.S. Constitution and to you, Mr. Public. You know, we're not going to revel in finger pointing because really there's nothing to gain by it. We, we're not a member of a party. And we will recognize, you know, we will acknowledge that the, the public good, we don't have a monopoly on it, that it is an iterative process. There is no, that the ideology of one or the other party isn't necessarily the answer. Well, it isn't. It never is. It's a starting point, but it can never be the ending point. Um, so those are three things I think we can do. And I'd like to also point out that, you know, independence come with no baggage, no political baggage, and hopefully they bring some good manners to the table because there is a lot of water that's gone under this partisan bridge, and it is hard for them to forget. You know, with a couple of independents who don't come with that political baggage, who come with clean slates and just a modicum of good manners, we can make, you know, we can make a difference. We can get to some solutions because 
being that it is an iterative process that, you know, pursuing the public good is a work in progress, good manners in those in that kind of a dynamic are very helpful. You know, someone who doesn't you know, yell at you or point fingers or try to put you down and make you look bad. Those are the kind of things that an iterative process really thrives on, you know, where people... Are, are not married to an ideology so they can let go of things if they need to let go of them uh, if they you know if they feel that there's a better way so again you know kind of in addition to the three things I think there's a, a separate side thing here that independents bring that the other parties cannot and will not can never can they can never do they bring a clean slate to the table they bring a, a fresh face somebody who doesn't have that political baggage um, so um, you know, a two-party system is not the solution. It is never going to be the solution. We do need independence in the federal and state legislatures desperately. Uh, you know, so there's an answer for you. Uh, I'd love to hear um, what you have to say. I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can, if you have the Anchor app, you can send me a voice message. If not. You know, I am running as an independent for the state Senate seat in Arizona in the District of 20, District 23. There are 30 districts of 30 senators. If you go to www.votelione.org, that's L-E-O-N as in Nancy, E.org, you can, you know, my emails there, all my contact information is there and, and you can contact me. So I'd love to hear from you and, and maybe even have one of you uh, on the on the next episode with me. So um, that's it for another episode of Add Your Two Cents. This is Chris Leone signing off. Have a great week and talk to you soon.